That was The Fishing Hole by Los Straitjockets. Brand new product by the masters of rockabilly, Mexican masked, outre, instrumental, classic rock and roll renditions. My favorite rock group doing their elaboration on the theme from the Andy Griffith show with that fantastic instrumental break. You'll notice with Los Jackets, it's always about two-thirds of the way into the single or into the track when they really break loose, and there they did. But then I stopped it because I'm just going to do from now on excerpts of songs, which is right, and uh, set the stage for this podcast, which is number 275, entitled How Exactly Does Love Come Down? How does especially love with a capital L, the love of God, come down to us poor suffering humans. And um, in addition to instrumental breaks by Eddie Angel and uh, Greg Townsend and Danny Amos of Low Straight Jackets, how does, in fact, love come down to you, especially when you're, when you're in real need of it? And the um, of, of sort of fuel, the gas behind the cast came from watching with Mary, to whom I owe the recommendation. She was so right about it, a three-part BBC um, television show, Masterpiece Theatre, that's recently been shown and is now on Netflix, entitled Mrs. Wilson. And the um, premise of the true story, it's an absolutely true story that was worse than the actual protagonist, hero, whose name was Alison Wilson, even realized during her lifetime. This is a woman, based on an absolutely true story, the actress, the lead actor of which in the show, Mrs. Wilson, is the granddaughter of the woman she is portraying, named Alison Wilson. And it's a woman who found out that the man she had married during World War II, who had been working for British intelligence, was, uh, in fact, had not only been married before, but had never been divorced. In other words, he was a bigamist, and she was married to him for 20 years with grown sons by him and a happy life with him when she found out that he had... um, that he'd never been divorced from his first wife and was still in touch with his first wife and had children by his first wife. Uh, Then she found out later that there was another wife from whom he'd also never been divorced. In other words, this man was a polygamist. And there's more. (laughs) He was a, as someone says in the show, a thief and a liar, a cheat and a liar. 
But what happens when you're in the year 1963 and you're happily married, your husband has just died, so you've had a terrible, terrible blow. The husband that you've loved and around whom you've built your life and your children, and they're happy, basically, moving forward, and you suddenly found out that... Uh, he has another family and another, an entire another life, and in fact, two entirely earlier lives from which he has never separated himself. And he's been living a lie, and you've been living a lie more to the point. And this um, true story, very accurately and very poignantly and very explosively, shows the effects of this. Um, the uh, the the table of her life is the the rug is. Uh, um, pulled out from under her life and everything is thrown on the floor instantaneously for this poor person. And she sets out to find out the truth about her husband, which she finds out in almost every way except professionally in his spy life. She, she's, you're never completely sure what the truth is about him, but you're given to believe it's probably pretty, pretty not to his credit. So this really B-A-S-T-A-R-D uh, destroyed her life after he died. And what do you do at that point? What do you do? There are several points in the, there's at least three uh, when she turns to God, uh, looks up vertically and, uh, with, with incredible um, uh, puzzle, more, more despairing, uh, I can't believe this, tell me, I need help instantly. And uh, she looks vertically and it's very powerful. And uh, she actually throws up physically on screen, very tastefully, but physically, twice when she finds out things about the life that her husband has had a parallel and exactly contemporaneous with her life with him, and she's completely undone. And this happens to people, not, not this dramatically, but people find themselves through um, obtrusive circumstances, tornadoes that hit them, uh, absolute earthquakes based on past, present, future, uh, external, even internal circumstances that completely destroy you. I was talking to a woman once and I said to Mary, after I talked to her, you know, this lovely young woman strikes me as someone, somebody gave her a, punched her in the stomach, in the solar plexus at a certain very vulnerable point. And it's as if her entire, all the contents of her innards were, were thrown in pieces on the wall. I know that's sort of disgusting, but um, I, I knew somebody else who had, uh, opened a big, large can of peaches uh, during a heat wave in New York that had been sitting there for like three years, and it exploded. It exploded when it opened during a heat wave, and there were indelible pieces of peach that were not possible to be um, scraped off the wall so deeply and so radically was the impact of the explosion of the canned peaches. Well, this can happen to people. And at that point, what do you say? What do you do? We need God. We need God solo. We need God immediately. We need God indeterminately. We need God absolutely. And what do we do? And in the, uh, the very powerful um, teleplay written by Anna, Anna Simon, who's the real reason we initially watched it, because Anna Simon, S-Y-M-O-N, is the daughter of people we know very, very well in England, a particularly holy and saintly clergyman uh, we've known for years, and his wonderful Christian devoted wife. And um, Anna Simon wrote this amazing story. It's, it's true about how it eventually this broken woman uh, is able to um, realign her perspectives with the way God sees her. And a Catholic priest at one point says, you know, first you understand, then you can forgive. First you have to understand, then you can forgive. And this search that this woman goes on almost compulsively to find out the truth about her her husband's other marriages, bigamous marriages, oh my gosh, uh, she... Uh, um, 
she, when she finds out the full extent of the way she has been betrayed in her life and those of her sons and those of other women and their sons and daughters have been betrayed, she is so undone that she, um, she turns to God and the church and she does find a powerful, credible and accurate, this actually happened, um, you have to see it, you absolutely must see it, those who are listening. Mrs. Wilson on Netflix from the BBC Masterpiece Theatre, and, and she is uh, able to align her picture of her destroyed life in the light of the grace of God on the cross, and it's extremely powerful. But I thought to myself, you know, when she has this scene of realignment with a Catholic priest who sort of helps her, I thought to myself, you know, I've sat in that exact kind of situation. I've been in a place where I've desperately needed. I've been flat on the ground, bashed flat on the ground, and have desperately um, needed some uh, kind of uh, of um, hope and um, more than anything in the world, and uh, have have looked for it, and I've I've found it uh, with some very holy, especially in England, uh, four or five times with some. Uh, hang on, just a minute, or I'll pause. You know, isn't that funny? I got interrupted by a, a, a cell call that I really needed to take. So like in the where I used to record, uh, I would often get a phone call. Um, these are real. I'm actually talking to you from a real situation. Uh, what I just wanted to say was this whole matter of where God is. And in this remarkable uh, television show from Masterpiece Theater, the woman, Mrs. Wilson, is aligning her thoughts. But I thought to myself, you know, what are the different ways that, that we... Um, that we really want to see God actually coming down. Well, I, I believe, I guess, that probably the Reformed, capital R, are probably, it's the least satisfactory because what the Reformed teach and what a lot of uh, um, inductive Bible studies teaches, if you just um, sort of could align yourself with what the Bible teaches about something. So you have, you come in with your problem and then the Bible says such and such and you're supposed to sort of reconcile your fallen and misshapen view of it, worldly and fleshly and desperate view of it with an optimistic Christian gospel forgiven view of it. And I, of course that's true and right and good, but it's not enough. Um, I was at a Bible study for years when the woman who was finishing it would always say, well, you know, what I really like about this scripture is the idea that Christ is with you whenever, or the idea that God can even handle da 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 da. And I used to say, well, the idea that, that's not enough. I need God's actual forgiveness communicated in my body and my heart and my soul. Um, that's the, uh, I need a new drug. You know, I, I need something more palpable than that. I, I thought then of how the Catholics see the uh, elements of the Eucharist as the the palpable presence of God. Love come down in the bread and the wine. There was an article in the Living Church the other day about that, you know, we really need to treat the blood and the uh, body and the blood, the bread and the wine as, as more uh, palpable and a sort of almost transubstantiation thought. And I said, no, yes and no. I mean, of course, I've had wonderful experiences, haven't you, of the Eucharist or the communion, as it is more rightly in our tradition known as the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. Of course, I've had wonderful experiences, though they've really depended, if I look at it honestly, more on the where it happened, where I was when it happened, and who was there, not so much the, as it were, objective reality of the Mass. That That's not, that's not done it for me, or at least if it has... I've had to have it re-upped every couple of days. So to say that the love comes down in the presence of the elements of the Mass uh, is, needs to be repeated too often. And the um, idea that I have to align myself with what the Bible affirms about thus and so, that is not enough because it, uh, sort of, it just hasn't changed me that much. Or, or then the, the sort of the way of love or the Jesus movement, as it's sometimes called, if I could just be more like him, if I could just you know, train myself and hear the exhortation enough to be more like 
Jesus, then I would give love and uh, hopefully then receive love more. But that gets, I get discouraged. My, my friend Jeannie that I knew years and years and years ago, who was just tired, 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 exhausted by the Presbyterian Church she attended in Westchester County, by the constant calls to do this and do that and be good and be that and be socially progressive on this or that. And she, it wasn't that any of it was wrong. It just exhausted her because she couldn't do it. And then a terrible tragedy came into her life. I mean, an overwhelming, instantaneous, sort of like Mrs. Wilson type of tragedy came in and everything, it was sort of all bets were off and it had nothing to help her with this, uh, you know, um, uh, the way of love, uh, she needed something more palpable. So I'm just wondering what exactly, you know, here I'm, I'm really thinking in my own experience, who's really provided that, that love come down in palpable forms? And there are only two people for me that have actually done that outside of Mary as a human being, as a wife, as a love, as a love, as a person of love. That obviously, she obviously, but I would also add Frank Lake and uh, Paula White. Frank Lake, because when I came to him with an enormous presenting problem, um, he was not just, it was not the talking cure. He actually had me have a bodily, overwhelming, vomitory experience with him and an assistant, uh, like a surgical case of uh, acute psychiatry, um, sort of a Arthur Yanov kind of birth trauma thing that utterly changed the script. Uh, my body was involved, my soul, my heart, everything was involved because he wasn't content just to talk about it let alone depress me with invocations, implications, uh, and exhortations. Uh, and then, uh, more recently, Paula White in the Pentecostal movement, she actually sincerely believes that God specifically, supernaturally, will, or shall we say, can change any problem that you have. What is it? Um, that... Uh, um, he, nothing is impossible by Kim Walker Smith, that song, Nothing is Impossible. Every chain is breakable. Well, Paula White actually comes to you and she prays to you, uh, fully expecting that God is right there from beyond space and time, responding to prayer that will break your chain and actively, totally throw you down and create a new being where there was an old being. It's not, uh, it's not um, gradualist. It's not step by step. It's um, utterly overwhelming interventionist presence of God, a supernatural cure. And I can attest to the fact that that has happened in my life. I can give dates and times. Um, not every day, by any means. Not as often as I might like. But I have evidence. I have the real evidence. So that's really what I wanted to say, that the uh, question of where love comes down beyond the instrumental breaks and good low straitjackets tracks is... Um, Love uh, is really not about an idea that, and it's not about an objective corporal presence that is um, to be repeated. I, I need it too often. And it's not about a, an attempt to be something that I can't naturally be because I fail. Uh, there has to be this, um, this uh, spiritual, spirit-given um, baptism of fiery supernatural intervention a la Ryder Haggard that um, reveals the immediate presence of a supernatural God. Let's conclude now with a song uh, by Eddie James and a very marvelous uh, singer who backs his group up entitled Power. Thank you very much.
Sing it.